What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. The place where we invite real people to talk about their journey on social media. We'll dig deep into the mindset it takes to be yourself, create massive value, and do it over and over again. This could be the episode that changes your business and life for the better. So let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Social Media Mindset. And you can't see this on the podcast, but I I am giddy like a little kid on Christmas morning waiting to tear into presents because y'all have no idea how much this man means to me that, that has graced me with his presence. And, and for those of you that listen, y'all know, I don't really read people's bios. We just kind of jump into stuff, but, but I want you to understand who we have on the show today. And so y'all just check this out. Do you know anyone that's worked with Sir Elton John or Elon Musk sent people down to see the wreck of the Titanic on the seabed or closed museums in Florence for a private dinner party. And then Steve, does this ever get old hearing this? And then (laughs) had Andrea Bocelli serenade them while they ate their pasta. Well, you do now. He's quoted as being the, the real life wizard of Oz by Forbes and entertainer magazine. Steve Sims is a best-selling author with Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, sought-after coach and speaker at a variety of networks, groups, and associations, as well as, if before this it wasn't already cool, the freaking, he didn't have freaking in there, I added that part, the freaking Pentagon and Harvard twice. Steve Sims, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Man, it, it blows my mind. That, that more people don't know who you are. And, and so I'm trying to do my part to make you famous on this episode. <laughs> and, and so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, will you explain? Because I'm holding it up and so we can see it, but people at home can't see it. Like, just give us a quick, like, what is blue fishing? So you got to go back Back, back, back in life when I was trying to hang around rich people, and I'm sure we'll go over why that was important to me, but I used to throw these parties, and one of the things I used to do that was kind of novelly me was I would let you into a party if you had the right password. Um, And so I used to give people these stupid-ass things to come (laughs) up with. I I would say to people, when you turn up, ask for Roger, and you've got to tell him two of the Teletubbies. You can pick which two, but you've <laughs> got to tell him two of the t- Teletubbies. Or finish this sentence, one fish, one fish, two fish, red fish. And we used to just come up with these silly statements. Wow. Um, and of course, that one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. People, want, what I, people came up to me one day and went, hey, you're that blue fish guy. So we'd obviously, obviously use that password too many times. But yeah. that's what it was. People were like, and I, at first I remember going, what are you talking about? Uh, who are you? You know? And then it was my, my uh, receptionist turned around and she said, 
you know you're that bluefish guy. And I went, how? And she went, the password. I was like, oh. And that was it. So wow. we, didn't, we didn't know anything. And here's the funny thing. People started using it as an adjective because we always used to surprise people at our parties and our events. I've always been a great believer, never give a client what they ask for because that's a transaction. So mm. give them something that surprises them, engage them, titillates them. Have them talking about it for days, years, months after. Wow. Um, so people then came up with this adjective. Oh, I threw my kid's birthday party, but I blue fished the crap out of it. <laughs> or I did this speech on stage and oh my God, I, was, I blue fished the audience. You know, So anything that surprised and went above and beyond the expectation became this term, blue fishing. And then all of a sudden, I got asked to write a book. And I thought, eh, yeah, why not? And um, for anyone out there that's trying to write a book, I apologize. I just met someone and they said, hey, we'll write. And I ended up having a book written by Simon & Schuster. Um, but that was what it was. That's how Blue Fishing came alive. And Steve, it's incredible. I, I love your story because it, and I don't want you to give it all away because it's in the book. But <laughs> we have a problem in our society of of overcoming the family we grew up in, overcoming the city we we were born into, overcoming the 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 things that people say, oh, you'll never be this, you'll never be that. We we have we're really good at just accepting that and going, yeah, they're probably right. And and your story is that of of constantly overcoming. Constantly. Well, and I don't care about giving it away. You know, uh, the, the book was written you got to understand something. Um, I'm a very selfish person. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I really am. If it doesn't benefit me first, then I don't do it. Okay. okay? To benefit me, it's got to impact someone else. So beneficial doesn't always have to be you know, financial. You know, think about it. When you're on the plane, the next time you're on the plane, wait for the steward to come out and go, hey, in the case of an emergency... Stick the oxygen mask on someone else first before you look after yourself. They don't say that, do they? No, they don't. They say, look after yourself first. So I move with reason, you know, being on this podcast. Can I help someone to do something different? I don't want any money out of this. In fact, I don't give a shit if anyone buys the book, okay? I got paid a stupid amount of money by Simon & Schuster, so it never really meant that I had to sell anything to make money. Now... That sounds condescending, but understand this and listen to it carefully. I was paid well to write the book, which meant that I could write the book I wanted to write. I didn't care if it sold 10 copies, 10,000, 10 million. It meant that I didn't have to dilute anything in there. Okay. I want people to change. I want people to be different. And you're right. We adopt people's monsters too early. You know, someone, someone in a bar that has no financial experience whatsoever, says, oh, cryptocurrency, you'll lose your ass on that. And you're the moron that listens to them. Right. Or the person that turns around and says, oh, you could never talk to a rich person in, in that outfit with your hair. And you go, oh, you must be right. And you're talking to someone that's flipping burgers in McDonald's. Right. And we listen too much to the wrong people. Now, as I was growing up, I was fortunate enough to grow up in the 80s and the 90s where I didn't have social media to validate how inadequate my life was. 
you know? <laughs> I was kind of like, well, why are we doing this? I was the curious kid. Why are we going there? Oh, that's how we've always gone. That's where we've always been. That's how we always do it. But why? You know, that was me. I was a curious little Irish kid from London that never stopped being curious. And I beg all of you out there, get that curiosity back, okay? Get that cu- why are you doing everything today that you did five years ago? The world is not the same that it was five years ago. So dare to be different, dare to try different, and dare to make mistakes. Now, mm. there's one story that I gave in the book, again, which I'm very happy to give away any of this information. So don't think, you know, I, we have to hold it back and seduce them into buying a book. Not at all. But you may have picked up on the, uh, the story that I had about me and my granddad on the building site. Yeah. Um, I was 16 years old. I'm on the building site. I'm grumbling, going, oh, God, is this it? Is this what my life is now? 16 years old. You know, why can't I be rich and famous and, you know, a superstar and never have to, you know, oh, my God. And I went up the building site ladder, and at the top of the ladder was my dad. Next to him, my uncle then my two cousins who were in their late teens, and my other one was like uh, mid-20s, and then my granddad in his late 70s, 80s. Wow. And I thought, hang on a minute, there's my lifeline. There mm. is every chapter of my life on this scaffolding. And I ran down to my granddad during the tea break time, and I was like, granddad, did you ever think you'd be doing this at your age? Now... That should have been met with a smack in the nose. Very rude question. But he didn't even look at me. He literally blew into his tea to kind of like cool it down before he took a sip to warm him up from the cold, rainy day of a British building site without looking at me. And I remember these words till I die and meet him up there at the bar. He said, son, if you don't quit today, you'll be me tomorrow. Mm. I quit. I quit that day. Um, sad thing is he died shortly after that. So I never actually got the chance to say, Hey, you did this. I'm here living it up in LA motorbikes, hillside, doing what the shit I want impacting people for you, granddad. So I'll see you up there and I'll buy the drinks. Mm. See that it's, that's so powerful. And that, that actually, I don't write questions for most of my guests, but for you, I, I wrote down specific things I wanted to ask you about. Oh, we got questions. Come on. Because, because I think near, I think this is near that story in the beginning of the book where, where you say you don't drown from falling in water. You drown from staying there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, isn't that stupid? Isn't that just so simply ridiculous? But how many people fall in the water, whether it be making a mistake, you, the amount of people that spend $500 on Facebook ads it doesn't work for them. And they go, oh, Facebook failed. Oh, it's rubbish. It doesn't work. No, you did. Right. You, know, you have the choice to learn from it and do something about it or, right. or, or cry and bitch about it. So it's amazing how many people are quite happy to just stay there and drown. Why, why do you think we're so prone to naturally self-sabotage ourselves? Because we listen to the wrong people. It's those people that see, I got a book deal because I was in a room full of great people. One of those great people was a big senior of a publishing company. Isn't it amazing when great things happen when you're in great rooms? Mm. When I was rolling around East London on my my crappy old motorbike that would start when it wanted to, (laughs) you know, 
I was in a bar one day and I looked around this bar and it was full of broke ass bikers. And I suddenly realized hmm. I'm one of them. Wow. I am a combination. I am an ingredient. I am a cog of this room. I need to change my room. But here's the sad thing for a lot of us. And it was for me, that's scary to do to yeah. actually get out of the rut, the pit that you are in and to get into something better takes drive, takes force. And you've got all of those people around you go, what are you doing? Yep. Oh, I want something better for I'm you can never do that. And what do you do? You bloody listen to them. Okay. Yeah. You demand more of yourself. You demand more. You deserve more. But if you're not willing to try, then, hey, I can't help you. You see, the problem is, it's a strange world. We feel with these aspirations, and you talk about the real estate world, okay? We sell, and, and this is going to upset a lot of people out there, and you can easily email me at steve at don'tcare.com. <laughs> Yeah, you are sat there selling your $300,000 homes because you don't know how to communicate to someone that wants a $3 million home, let alone a $30 million home. But isn't it the same amount of work? Don't yeah. you have to kind of like understand what the client wants, do the stats, do the proposals, do the comps? Isn't that the same amount, whether or not it's a three hundred grand house or a $30 million house, do you know the danger is if you sell the $30 million house, that's your new standard. Mm. That's your, but people are scared of it, so they don't do it. You feel as though you don't fit in for having these dreams and aspirations. Well, let me let you know, you were never built to fit in. You were built Come to on. disrupt. You were built to demand. You were built not to settle. I had a, a one little thing. Anyone who follows me knows that I love a good old-fashioned, okay? A good old-fashioned is made up of bitters, sugar syrup, bit of orange, whiskey, and ice. It ain't that hard. Yes. It ain't splitting the atom. How so many people can get that drink wrong still to this day boggles me. But I'll be at a bar and someone will give me an old-fashioned and I'll look at it, I'll sniff it, I'll taste it, and then I'll hand it back and I'll go, sorry, that's not an old-fashioned. And someone said to me, you know, it looks all right, Steve. Why don't I? I said, look, I'm not going to settle at any point of my life. If I start mm. settling on this drink, what's the next thing I'm going to settle on? What's the wow. next thing I'm going to sacrifice my standards to? So start raising your standards. If the, if the food you're eating is not perfect, send it back. If your old-fashioned is not too good and it's been confused with something from freaking Jamba Juice – because they piled a bunch of fruit <laughs> in it, send that baby back. Hold yourself to a higher standard in how you turn up, how you dress, how you talk, how you market, how you are you. And, and I, I think, Steve, too, the, the higher standard that you're talking about in your book, I think it also relates to you are like you set a high standard for the way you ask questions to people for the way you dig deep behind the, the fake facade quest answers that they give you right away. And, and so I, I love how you break that down in the book that, you know, you don't ask why one time you ask why three times. Yeah. And we live in a world now where most people are so concerned with themselves. They don't take the time to ask questions to anybody. The, the average realtor 
assumes what the buyer needs, assumes what the seller wants, and they just go in pumping their program their way with their motives, their desires. And then they wonder why people don't end up wanting to work with them. And, and so my question to you is like, why are so many people bad? Why do so many people struggle with asking genuine questions? So there's two answers. One of them is because we're crap at communication today. Okay. We've got really, really bad at it. Do you know one of the most aggressive words in the planet is not a four-letter word. It's a three-letter word. Why? People Mm. will text me. People will reach out to me during any one of these social platforms, and they go, hey, Steve, I'm in L.A. I want to take you for a whiskey. I want to take you for a steak. And I will respond with one word. Why? And I'll get people going, oh, my God, I heard you were cool. You're an arrogant (laughs) prick. You think you're – and they'll go off on it because people really get taken back by that word. Mm. Yet it's the the word of discovery, okay? Today, we don't communicate very well. Today, because of COVID, we're communicating even worse. So what's happening is people are actually asking for something, and then we're going, oh, well, that's it. That's the totality of that request. I've got to go and provide. I'll give you one perfect example, which is a story very accurate to, to the industry of real estate. I coach a client who's a realtor. She's very successful now, I will say, but 18 months ago, not so much. And she was just starting her marketing. We were just working on her brand identity and the solution and the niche that she wanted to work in. And she contacted me all kind of a panic. And she said to me, she said, I'm having trouble with this class. I said, look, let's book a call. Let's get on the call. Let's work it through. What's the problem? What's happened? Oh, I had this fantastic client contact me. They wanted a house, three bedroom with a swimming pool on this street. Okay, what did you do? Walk me through it. She said, well, I gave her every property that was available on that street. Wasn't a very big street. Turned up and uh, nose up at every single one of those. I even went to some of the best houses on there that weren't up for sale. Asking, would they like to sell their house because I've got the client? Again, some of them said, yes, I offered, turned her nose up at And she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, you're the problem. Mm. And she said, why should I have worked harder? I went, absolutely not. What do we always tell you to do when you start a conversation? Listen to what they're saying and then ask them why. I said, did you dare to ask the client why? Now, a lot of people don't want to go, hey, I want a three-bedroom here. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Why? You know, it makes you feel as though you're doing something stupid. But I said to her, you failed to ask why. So she went back. We, we walked her through a whole script of how to handle this. It's not long. doesn't have to be. The most powerful things in the world are short because they remove confusion. And I said to her, go back to the client and go, hey, I've done you a disservice and I apologize. You told me you wanted a property here and I listened and I made a mistake. I should have asked you, why there? So she went back to the client and she said that exact script and she said, why there? And the client came back to her and she said, we lived just outside of town. We weren't a wealthy family, but on the way to the mall, My mum would always drive us down this street because that's where the movers and shakers lived. Mm. That was the it street 
of that time period. Now, we all know the itch street, it moves zip code, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, how I lived in the rough end of London that you wouldn't want to walk around at nine o'clock at night. Now you can't afford to live there because all the warehouses that were yeah. you know, burning tires and stuff are now trendy lofts. Yeah. You know? So the itch street moves. As soon as she knew what she was trying to do was arrive at an itch street to validate to her mum that mm. she had arrived, she was able to provide her with zip codes of the new itch street. First house she showed her on the new itch street, she purchased. Wow. So you've got to dare to ask your, your, the client, why? Why is that important to you? Why now? Why would get to the core and provide that? I always say, and listen to this, write it down, folks. Never give a client what they ask for. Give them what they lust and desire. Mm. Steve, come on. So it sounds, it sounds so simple, right? It's, it's a three-letter word. And, and in your book, you, you say, don't misunderstand the power of simplicity. Why, why are we constantly trying to make things too hard? Because we're that, idiots. Because, yeah, that's the, uh, we, the we easy did, answer. We, it, that, that's the, how many entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs are so successful until they get to a point where they go, great, I'm really successful. Now, how can I get up? You know? We do that. We overcomplicate things. When you speak to someone like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Peter Diamandis, Ray, Ray Kurzweil, Larry Page, they can explain quantum physics and splitting the atom to a point that we can understand. Yeah. They are so smart, they can dumb down their explanation. And we go, oh, my God, that's why. But it's those people that don't really understand stuff. How many people, how many times have you spoken to someone and you've gone, well, how do you do that? And they turned around and they go, uh, you wouldn't understand. Yeah. Okay. If you asked Elon Musk to explain the Hyperloop or, or space travel or the necessity for space travel, he'd go, fine, let me explain it. And he'd explain it. And guess what? You would understand it. So yeah. today we try to overcomplicate things. I'm really successful at what I do, which is coaching, speaking, and hoping, driving you to do something different because I'm very hard to misunderstand. Mm. At the moment, there are people listening to this podcast going, I don't like this guy. I'm gone. Fine. Absolutely no problem. I'll be all right at Christmas. And there are other people that go, do you know I get this guy? I want to stay here and drive something down. Okay. I make a point of not being confusing to those people that are around me. Because guess what? A confused person will never give you that credit card. Mm, come on. Hope they heard that. I hope so. But some so, people will ignore it. And that's, the, that's where the stupidity comes back in. So I, I think we can be better at this by putting in a little more effort to the research side of what we do. And I don't remember if it was in the book or I've heard you on, on, on Phil Treadwell's podcast or who, yep. whoever's, whoever's it was, but you talked about how, you know, you will use Facebook to go research your newest or future clients yep. because what they're asking for, you already know is probably not what they truly want. And so you're going to go scour their social media to see if you can discover what are they out there talking about 
that's in- indicating what they truly desire. Yeah, yeah, and you can Google it. If you Google anyone famous and then look at the images, throughout those images, sooner or later, you'll find out the kind of food that they like to go and eat, yeah. the kind of clothes they like to wear, the kind of cars they like to wear a drive. You know, you can find all of that out just by the images, okay? Because images, they don't lie. So, you know, you get a whole background of someone. I had, a, I had someone that I actually ended up getting a great contract with, um, because in doing that process, I found out that that guy was actually in a magazine regarding his handmade shoes. He okay. was a Hollywood icon, famous for his movies, famous for his wife. But I found out that he loved handmade shoes. When I met him, everyone else was going, oh, I loved you in so much. Oh, you were great. He doesn't want his freaking resume repeated at him. Right. You know, take the selfie and cough. You know, that's what he's thinking. But I went up to him and I went, I like your shoes. They're a funny color. And he went, sorry? I went, I just like your shoes. They got a weird color on them. What are they? He suddenly started opening up about mm-hmm. his shoes. And I'm like, you like shoes? Now, I knew this. But by doing that bit of research, I was able to engage him in a conversation that he wanted to have. Wow. Now, you don't realize that most people that are doing movies, they are, produ- are promoting the movies today that they shot five years ago. Right. By the time it's been edited, canned, prepped, getting prepared to market, there's a three. They're doing two other movies in the middle. Yeah. So, you know, attacking with something that they want to talk about. And, and so do you think, like in the real estate world, right, for realtors and lenders, they, they take closing gifts. Yep. Most of them take a bottle of wine, like something very perishable, very in, like unthought about. And so what I hear you saying is, could you imagine what it would do for a realtor or lender to go and research the client they just closed a house for and then to bring something to that closing that, that represents something they found in their past that their family's passionate about? Like, it's, it's that oh, easy, right? This is kicking me off now. My realtor was a waste of freaking space. <laughs> so damn irritating that I had to confront her after I bought my house and I got a Ruth Chris's Steakhouse gift voucher. All right? And I contacted her. And I went, why did you buy me this gift card? Okay, she was like, oh, you know, you look, you're a big fella. You drive around, ride around on motorcycles. I thought you'd like to take your, your family to a Ruth Chris's Steakhouse. I went, okay, so on visual, you thought it would be smart to buy me a gift card for a chain restaurant. Where I live, you thought that would do it. What was your goal for buying? Now, she's obviously dying on the spot now. Oh, God. And I said... Why do you, you must have had that gift card in the top drawer. It's been kicking around with probably the other 20. And you think this is a great idea. What impact were you driving home to me about how unthoughtful you were? You can imagine this poor girl thinking, please (laughs) shoot me now. I said, look, and I sat down with her. I said, Google me. And she looked at me and she was like, you know, you could see on her face thinking, well, this guy's arrogant. I'm not, no, Google me, Google my name. And then click images. Get a bit of a background on me. 
know the area I've just moved into. You know where I moved from. Yeah. So you know what kind of things were in that area and see what you can see. And she found out, and you've read this in the book, I've got quite an Asian background because I did a lot of my growing up in Asia. Right. Okay. Yep. And there were some pictures in there of me in these different Asian restaurants. And I'd actually just come back from Japan. It's there in the bloody Facebook, in the Google feeds. I said, this would have been a great opportunity for you to say something like, hey, I was strolling through one. And I actually Google. It's not upsetting to tell right. someone that you looked them up. Okay. Sure. And I saw you were in Japan. Oh, that must have been fantastic. Why did you go to Japan? That would have been an entry into a conversation. It mm. would have showed me that you were going above and beyond the transaction. The word transaction is an evil word that you want to avoid. Mm. Because what you're trying to build up is a relationship, right. a rapport, a connection. And here's the last R that you desperately want, a referral. Come on. All right? So I said to her, you could have asked that. And she, she turned around to me and she went, why did you go to Japan? And I went, now, baby, now we're Come starting on. to get to it. So I walked her through it, and I said, what you would have done smart with is in my area, my new street, my new location, would have been to have just simply Googled the best Japanese restaurant, the best sushi restaurant, yep. and then bought me that. You bought me, for four people, like a $250 gift card for Ruth Christie's Steakhouse. Now... I don't want to be a Ruth Chris hater. Sure. It, it's, the, it's the steakhouse of TGI Fridays, you know? It's a chain. Why wouldn't you just find the best sushi restaurant and get right. me a $200 or $150 at a lovely, small, intimate, local, family-owned sushi restaurant that could now become my, my weekly fake? And... We could probably even, Steve, take a step further and say it could have probably been a hundred dollar gift card. And if it was stuffed inside of an old fashioned book that said like the hundred, the top 100 old fashions, and I would have even written in there, you will probably never read this, but yeah. I know you love old fashions. Yeah, yeah. Do you know the guy that I told you about the shoes? It was his birthday and it was you know, like about eight years ago. I got onto Amazon and I ordered a horn shoe tree, okay? Mm. Not a metal one, a horn one. And I remember this. I got two for 18 bucks. They were that wow. cheap. They wouldn't even sell me one. I had to buy two of them. So I bought, uh, I bought them a pair. I wrapped up one, sent it to him for his birthday. And I said, look, you love your shoes so much. You kick them on and off as you're flying. But I know with TSA, the way it is today, you mm. probably can't go on the flight with a metal one. Here's a horn one, you know? And I, it yes. shows that I thought. And here's the daft thing. Do you know why I sent him for Christmas? The yeah. other shoehorn saying you probably yeah. lost the first one. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was so cheap, but it made him smile. And, you know, over the years, he's actually told his friends about Steve Sims. Oh, he's a weird cat. He does this. And he wow. bought me an eight. He bought me because I told him how much I paid for the shoehorns. He went, he bought me an $8 shoehorn. You know, and it's that kind of story that shows that you think your gift that you just spoke about with the note, that would have meant more to me 
than the yeah. Ruth Chris Steakhouse gift voucher. Well, and because what, what I'm hearing is intentionality beats price every time. Whoop, whoop, mic drop, night out, close curtain. Thanks for coming. Well right. done. Because Steve, I, I tell people all the time on social media, when people go, I want to do more video, but I don't know what to talk about. And, and I, I point to my background and I go look at all these at all these books. And by the way, your book, your book sits about right there. Good. So I, I pulled it down. But Steve, I have people that to this day, because I've done a lot of videos about your book and I didn't write this book. You wrote this book. <laughs> but when I pull something brilliant from it and then I say it to my audience, they don't comment and go, hey, can you remind me who wrote that? Because I want to write him a note. They thank me yeah. for regurgitating you. And that's absolutely fine. I've done that. I run an event called a speakeasy, and I've got a member at the moment that was at the speakeasy. And one of the things that I did was I made everyone at the event throw a little nugget in an ice bucket. It was a Tiffany ice bucket that we gave away, and we called it the nugget bucket. What is one little saying that's helped you save thousands or saved you hours? And wow. what we would do is we would just pull it out and it would be like one line, you know, be impossible to misunderstand. Steve. And the guy that won the ice bucket, I gave him all of these nuggets. Now, every morning, I'll give him a shout out, really cool cat, Ed Parco. Every morning, he doesn't have to think of new uh, um, stuff to, to talk wow. about. He doesn't have to think about comedy. He's like, okay, what have we got from the nugget bucket today? This nugget bucket is from, you know, Corbin. Opens up, reads it. All right, have a good day. That's the nugget for today. And that's it. And he's doing it every single day. And it's brilliant. And you're right. No one's contacting him going, who's Kyle? They're just right. thankful for the action point. And I don't give a shit if you give me any credit for any of your statements. I told you, my selfish aspect is to get people to do things differently because I'm irritated Sure. How many morons there are in the planet today. Are we going to cure COVID, but we still can't get a cure for stupidity? Well, but, but Steve, that, that's the whole point to me is I can give credit and people still don't care. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to pretend like I'm smart. Like I just submitted a blog for a company's blog the other day. They asked me to guest blog on it and their editor edited it and sent it back to me. And she used a word that I didn't even know what it meant. And so I had to email her back and go, hey, I love the edit you did. <laughs> but can you dumb that word down? Because my friends will, will instantly know I did not write this. Yeah. If they hear that word. And, and, and that was the end. But I think we spend so much time on social media. And this is part of what I love about your book is you aren't trying to impress anyone. You're not trying to prove anything to anybody. You're not trying to, to wave your success in people's faces. You wrote a book that in your greatest way articulates how to get people unstuck and moving forward and accomplishing and tackling the dreams, goals, aspirations that they have for themselves. And, and this is what I'm, this is what I'm trying to help people do with social media, right? Yep. Is that we have a, we have a fan club out there that wants to give us their money. We just need to learn how to show up as ourselves, get out of our own way. And we don't have time because I know you're super busy. And because I have three more questions that I have that, that maybe we'll save for another time. 
But I just I wanted to ask you, because near the end of the book, you you talk about how fear and embarrassment are what po- hold people back the most. And then yep. it's the fear of embarrassment. Yeah. And on social media, right? I love live video. I love knowing it's raw, it's real. If I mess up, I mess up. I laugh at myself. I, I get over it. People see me as human. But this is where most people get totally uncomfortable. And so how does the listener that needs to be more present online but is afraid of what people will think, is afraid of, of their mom calling and going, why are you doing that video? You, that was dumb. How do we overcome fear and embarrassment? By focusing on the impact and the solution. Mm. Now, as much of, okay, let me, let me give it to you first. And let me give you a gift, okay? Okay. The first time you do a video is going to be shit. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you're going to be the first 10 times. Yeah. And and the first time you do anything is going to be God awful when you're considering it from when you're doing your 50th. Yeah. Okay. When you suddenly have got that get out of jail card, do you know the first time you do it is going to suck? Then you're, all right, this is going to suck. Let's do it. If what you're doing is to show off your body in a bikini, good for you. How does the bloody hell that help me? You know, <laughs> if you're there to just lean up against the car that you don't own again, it's not helping me. But if in your nervousness with your wobbly camera, you're giving me some advice on the best area that I should be considering for home. The solution beats the, the quality of video, the, the, the quality on. of the presentation, because you are now a solution. And once you show and focus on you being a solution of someone else's problem, they no longer care about any of the else, uh, anything else. I, I literally train people on this. And they, on the first ones, they were like, uh, hey, I'm here. And I remember one of the first videos, it did really, really well. It was like, when you're trying to sell your house, you need to sell it before they walk through the front door. Curb appeal, garden, the lawn the flowers and we spoke about now the video this person was like oh and look at those flowers and the daft thing is she didn't even turn the camera to look at the flowers (laughs) but the content that she was giving was accurate right good and it made you think well hang on a minute i'm focusing on a pot of coffee and some fresh muffins once they walk through the door i have to sell it before they walk through the door you know and her doing that the video went crazy and it was so bad because it wasn't professional. It was someone that cared trying to it. help you. And they showed up as an awkward solution. And she's done great videos now. She comes across good. She actually has got a little GoPro. She's got a lav mic. She's got the sound of video. But I'm telling you, some of her best videos were still the, still the ones at the beginning. And these phones, these iPhones now, bearing in mind, these are the quality of what people were shooting movies on 10 years ago. These right. are 4K beasts. You can see the pimple on a pimple. <laughs> well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal what you just said. And every time I speak, I'm going to use it. That, that being an awkward solution is better than having perfect quality every time. Can I ask you one more question? You may well. Okay, thank you. So in the very back of the book, 
which a lot of people may not know because how many people actually finish books? I don't know. <laughs> but but in the very back of the book, you have the blue fishing playbook. I do. Where essentially you could go back there first and bypass the entire book and just get your 45 pieces of the playbook. Do you it have gets better? It gets better. Do you know? And this is a, a shallow pitch that I make no benefit for. Oh, come on. If you visit stevedsims.com and subscribe to my newsletter, yeah, we send you that playbook. And then it. if you want to unsubscribe, then you've got the playbook. There you go. Free. I need to go make sure I have the playbook because I get all your emails. So which means I probably have the playbook somewhere. You must I mean, have I have it playbook. in my book. Yeah, yeah you have so it. You is, text me and I'll send it to you. Is there, is there one of the 45 that I, I don't want to say is more important than, than another one, but is there one that is like the most dear to you yeah. for a certain reason? Yeah, and the reason is, and it's been amplified during COVID, we're in a world of mass distortion and distraction and noise, confusion, fake news. There's a lot coming at us. Yeah. And the one thing that we all desire, all want is clarity. If I said to the entire planet that COVID will disappear at 3 p.m. on September the 12th, the whole world would calm down because we know what's going to happen now. Yep. We don't have that clarity, not with government, not with politics, not with anything. So right. we're looking for clarity. So in today's world, I want you to remember, there is a difference between being easy to understand and impossible to misunderstand. Mm. Clarity is king. Mm. Man, that's awesome. Steve, thank you. Thank you for, for coming on. How, how do people connect with you? Uh, well, it's easy. You can text the word SIMS, S-I-M-S, on your cell phone to 33777. You can join an Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims. That's my uh, Facebook group. Okay. charge. Um, or just follow me on Steve D. Sims. There's only one M in Sims on, you know, the website, Instagram, anywhere that you consume your fun. And we will have all that in the show notes. Easy for people to get. Cause it will, we don't, it'll be impossible for them to misunderstand where, Beautiful. where that is. Well said, Steve. Thank you, man. This has been, this has been incredible. Cheers, bud. Look after yourself and keep doing impact. Yes, sir. Guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the social media mindset podcast. We'll be back real soon with probably somebody less cool than Steve, <laughs> but still really cool. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Social Media Mindset Podcast. If this episode made an impact, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and talking about it on social media. Go make a difference, and we'll see you soon.